0: good evening how are you guys doing oh man it sounds like you're doing horrible i'm so sorry you're tired well stop complaining i don't want to hear about i'm just joking hi my name is corey how are you guys tonight you doing all right she is sleeping she's very tired good morning uh let that be a reminder don't sleep um hey my name is corey it's really good to be here with you guys listen I don't know a better way to learn everyone's names apart from you all telling me your name on the count of three, and then I'll absorb it all. OK? Sound good. So on the count of three, you're all going to tell me what your name is. Are you ready? One, two, three. Yeah! Got it. Nailed it. You don't believe me? You there. In this your name's Tommy, right? Nailed it. See, I know everyone's names. It's good. Hey. Are you guys excited to be at camp this week? Yeah? And now I hear some of you are from Modesto. Yeah? I want you guys to know I'm sorry. I'm going to be praying for you this week. And I know, uh, I think the, the furthest south we have is Redondo Beach. Yeah? Awesome. If you guys want to pray for me, that'd be cool. And then where else are you guys from? Okay. New Mexico, Portland, cool. Well, like I said, my name's Corey. I am from Southern California, a little town called Rancho Cucamonga. That's fun to say, huh? And uh, I have the privilege of getting to open up God's word with you guys this week. This is something that excites me Every single day, we're gonna have a chance to dive into what you saw put on display both through the films and the opener because all of this has an origin. Everything that you watched and got to kind of participate with tonight comes straight out of the book of Exodus, the second book in your Bible. And so if you, wanna, if you want to, as I kind of introduce myself and set up our time together tonight, if you want to take out your Bible and if you want to turn to the book of Exodus chapter three, that'll just put you ahead of the game, okay? Exodus chapter three. But like I said, my name's Corey. I have the absolute privilege of getting to open up God's word with and for each of us here at camp this week. And there's some people in my life that mean a lot to me that couldn't be here. And so I want to introduce you to my family, if that's okay. Is that all right with you? All right, well, either way we're doing it. So here we go. This is my family. Um, They look like big rocks. Uh, It's where I get my size from. Oh, it's over there, (laughs) okay. So that's a picture of me when my head got cut off. Uh, but if you look on the far right, that's my beautiful wife, Katie. We've been married for almost 14 years. Wow, that's a long time. If you're younger than 14, raise your hand. That explains my gray beard, holy cow. Okay, um, and then that, that one next to my wife, that's Mason. He's our firstborn, um, he's awesome. He's a good kid. And then next to him is Marley. That's my, my sweet daughter, Marley. She's really cool. And then next to her is Maylee. That's my little girl, Mailey. Uh, Maylee has a cool story that I'll share this week, but Mailey was adopted. We adopted Maylee a few years ago. And so God let her be a part of our family. And then next to her is Max. And the crazy thing about Max is when he was born, he was a dog. And we met a magician who, t- I'm just kidding. That's my son, Max, though. Uh, and then next to him is, is me, that's me. Um, but that's my family, I, ha- I also have, you're yelling at me, what'd you say? Are you Am I John Cena? Thank you. Here's the deal. If, if I was John Cena, you wouldn't see me up here. So how could I be John Cena, all right, all right? Uh, please don't ask me any more wrestling things. I don't know anything else about wrestling. Um, but like I said, that's my family. In addition to that, we have a rabbit named Jojo and two French Bulldogs named Chance and Ozzy. And then I have a turtle and his name's Gilbert and he's cool too. But all of them had to stay home because they had school. They didn't get the chance that you have to come and do school up in the mountains for a week, which is super exciting. Um, but yeah, okay. That's enough by way of introductions. We have something really important, okay? Listen to me. All your eyes and ears, no talking right here, look at me. We have something incredibly important to talk about tonight. Now, I know that we all got in cars and buses, and I know that we had a long day of driving up the mountain, and maybe some of you threw up, and maybe some of you didn't. And maybe some of you went to the bathroom on the bus and everyone was like, why couldn't you hold it? What's going on here, right? And then you got to camp and you had to find your cabin and you had to unroll your sleeping bag and then then you had to go to dinner and you're like, what's for dinner? And now you know. And then you're here and you've seen like three videos and, and a crazy guy in overalls and it was all awesome. All of that's awesome. But I'm just asking you for a favor. For the next 20 minutes, if I can have your undivided attention, I promise That the passages that we are going to read in the Bible, in God's word, are going to help set you up for a week that could be unlike any other week you've had in your entire life. Here's what you need to know about a week at camp. A week at camp can change your life, not because camp in and of itself has any kind of saving power, but the person that we're going to be talking about all week long has all the power. Our goal through this camp is for you to go home with a better understanding about the creator, the creation that he's allowed us to dwell alongside of and steward, as well as his son Jesus, who has the power to save each and every single soul on this earth through the power of his blood on that cross, and that is what we are going to dive into, but in order to do so, I need to know, are you with me? Are we good? Awesome. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 3. And it goes like this, we're gonna start at verse one. Exodus chapter three verse one says, now when Moses, we saw Moses displayed here through a character named? Moses, Mose. When Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, where the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses saw that although the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. That sounded like a freestyle, didn't it? And and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Pray with me one more time. God, as we jump into this passage tonight and unpack one of the most beautiful things about you, one of the most important things about your character that we can understand, whether we're in middle school, whether we're an adult, whether we work for Hume Lake, God, help us to understand better as a result of unpacking and diving into this passage tonight what it means that you are holy, what it means, God, that there's no one like you. As you said to your servant Moses, I am, a word that was so holy in the Old Testament that that it was meant to be prayed as a breath, the word Yahweh. God, that's your name. That's who you are. And help us to understand better this week the character and nature of who you are. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. amen, amen, and so here's a couple of things we want to understand about Moses. Moses is this Old Testament hero. Some would call him a patriarch. Moses is a character in the Bible who's found over 750 times he's named in both the Old and the New Testament, over 750 times. Moses is someone who is around in Egypt because of someone who came earlier in the book of Genesis, his name was Joseph. Joseph leaves, goes to Egypt, and finds great success working for the Egyptians, and so the Israelites hang out there, and their numbers grow, and as a result of their numbers growing, they stay put for 400 years, and for the most part, for the most of those 400 years, life was good. But it's not just enough to have a good life. We wanna live a life that is just bathed and clothed in the promises of God, and so we intercept Moses' story at the exact time that God is about to do something incredible. One of the other things we saw on display here tonight that's so important to know is that the reason Moses is in the desert at this time, if you remember from verse one in chapter three, he was tending to the flock of Jethro. The reason he wasn't in Egypt, but the reason that he's tending to a flock is because he had killed an Egyptian and tried to bury him in the sand and was banished out of Egypt. And so he's a little bit on the run. Another thing that that may be one of the most important parts about Moses' story and how it lines up with ours, is that Moses is someone who points us to Jesus. You see, in the same way that Moses would deliver through the power and work of God, the people out of Egypt and into the promised land, this is a foretelling, this is a foreshadowing of what the Son of Man would do for us. You see, Moses' story mirrors that of the gospel in that the sin and the oppression and the slavery that we find ourselves in apart from God is something that Jesus came down to earth to rescue us from. And so you're going to see parallel throughout this entire story, our story. You're going to see a people who are born into slavery and bondage, who are in deep need of rescuing, and that's not unlike us. In fact, we all have this same story. So let's dive into this passage. Here we go. So we see in chapter 3, verse 1, that Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. It tells us that that not only is his father-in-law a priest, but that Moses had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to a mountain. He came to a mountain. Now this mountain in the Old Testament was called Horeb. But this mountain is something that is going to play a huge part in the story of God. In fact, people still go to this place today to worship. I think it's so interesting that God meets Moses on a mountain because for me personally, some of the most profound times that I have had with God have come by way of being on a mountain. In 2005, I had just graduated high school and someone invited me to come up to this camp, to Hume Lake. And they said, hey, we think you should come to camp. And I was like, but I'm not in school anymore. And they're like, that's fine. I've always looked old since I was like 14. I had a beard and people thought I had kids when I was like, I'm in junior high. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any kids. I am a kid. And so I get invited to this camp and I show up and I hear the most life-changing story. And God met me on a mountain. That's where I was first introduced to the God of the Bible. I spent a whole year here learning what it means to be a follower, a disciple, a learner, an apprentice of Jesus, and during that time, I tell you what, I met my wife. That's another good thing that happened on the mountain. Now, here's what I know. None of you are gonna meet your wives this week. Um, That is not a promise I can make. That is not a promise I can deliver on. You're not gonna meet husbands, you're not gonna meet wives, but what I can tell you, what I can tell you is this. It's massively important. If at the start of this week you realize the position that you find yourself in, a week without routine, a week without what is familiar, a week without regularity, a week where you can focus on the most single important thing that each and any of us have, and that's the relationship that we get to have with God. In the same way God meets Moses on this mountain, God can meet you here on this mountain as well. In Mark chapter one, verse 13, something interesting happens as Jesus begins to call his first disciples to himself. In Mark 1, 13, it says, and then Jesus went up to the mountain and he began to call to himself those whom he desired. The very invitation for Jesus' disciples to join him in his ministry came by way of them being on a mountain. What's the, what's the whole point? The whole point of what I'm trying to share with you is this, that you have an opportunity this week to focus on who God is in your life. And be it through the things that you're gonna study throughout the day, looking at his glorious creation, or looking at the passages that we're gonna unpack each and every single day throughout the story of Moses, you have a chance to learn more about who God is. And the only thing standing between you understanding more about God before you go home or not is your ability to focus on what matters most. And so I find it interesting that Moses finds himself on a mountain and has this encounter with God. Look at verse two. It says, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses, if you're not listening, I want you to listen to me. This part's really important. This is going to set up the rest of our time together tonight. It says that Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. How many of you have ever been to a campfire before? Maybe you're camping at the beach or in the mountains and, and someone's like, we're gonna build a fire. And you're like, awesome, I like fire. And you, and you put the fire in. What happens like an hour after you light the fire? Why does it go away? Because all the fuel is burned. Yes, what's your name? You know a lot about fire, Lizzie. Are you a fireman? Okay, I won't argue with Lizzie about fire. Here's the deal though, when you start a fire, a bonfire or a fire in your fireplace, inevitably the fuel that you put into that fire is going to be burned up. And when that fuel is burned up, you have to add more. Even Moses understands this as he is on this mountaintop tending to sheep and goats and all these different things. He looks over and he sees that there's a bush on fire and although the bush is on fire, it's not burning up. What a strange sight to see. In fact, he notes this two times in the book of Exodus. In verse three, it says, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, he says. This summer I was driving up here to Hume Lake to hang out and to teach the Bible, kind of how I'm doing this week. And while I was on my way driving up, I was in a part of the the five freeway in Southern California called the Grapevine. Have you ever heard of the Grapevine? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm driving on the Grapevine and I come around this big turn and I look and what do my little eyes see? An entire mountain on fire. Like it was like dragons had come and just torched the place. A whole mountain on fire and I'm thinking to myself, Someone should probably do something about this fire. Maybe Lizzie could do it, because it's burning. Like, this whole thing is going up in smoke right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. Here's the, here's, the, here's the idea that I'm trying to unpack for us. It's strange that Moses ends up on this mountain and, and, and while he's there he sees this bush on fire but this bush is not being consumed by the fire. In fact, something even more miraculous happens from the bush. God begins to speak to Moses through the flames of the bush. The first and most foremost important thing that we have to understand about God is that God needs nothing to sustain himself. God needs nothing to sustain himself. How many of you have gone a day without food and you feel hungry? Or have you gone on a long hike or run without water, you get thirsty? Or you you do an all-nighter at your church or with your friends and you get tired? We as humans... We get hungry, we get tired, we get thirsty, and when those things happen, we're reminded that we're simply human. But, but Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush is an interesting one because we see that although the bush is on fire, it is not being consumed. What, what could this tell us about God? My friends, the thing that this tells us about God, and, and this is the starting point of our entire week, maybe the most important thing that we unpack tonight is the fact that God needs nothing to sustain himself. What could that mean? Let's, let's read on in verse four. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called from him within, within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And then in verse five, God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is, what's the word? Holy ground. Holy ground. There's our word. That word holy, that word holy is the reason that although the bush is on fire, it's not consumed because God is holy. That word holy is the reason that God invites Moses to take his sandals off and it's not just because God doesn't like when people wear shoes in his presence, it's because there is a set apart nature from the presence of God unlike anything you and I have ever encountered or imagined, why? Because this word holy is the first and foremost attribute of who God is. This word holy means to be set apart. This word holy implies that there is no one and nothing like God. Why is that an important piece for us to understand at the start of our week? A week where you're gonna look at all kinds of amazing things in God's creation. A week where you're gonna get a chance to to get to know the person sitting around you even better. You're gonna get to know your teachers and the parents that have come to be your counselors for the week better than you ever thought you could. Why is it important for us to start by looking at this word holy? It's important for us to do so because God's holiness is what allows him to be God. It's God's holiness that sets him apart. It's God's, holiness, it's God's holiness that makes him God and me not. I am not holy. I am not set apart. In fact, the only thing that I have going on for me is the fact that I have a relationship with the God who is holy and set apart. This is so important for us to begin to dive into and to understand. God's holiness is important because God's holiness is what allows him and what makes him God. There's this theologian. He's brilliant. He passed away a few years ago, but his name was R.C. Sproul. And R.C. Sproul said this on the topic of holiness. R.C. Sproul said that the Bible never says that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It does say that he is holy, 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 and that the whole earth is full of his glory. Now what, what could that mean? What that means is, is, that, is that God is able to be what 1 John 4, 8 says, that God is love. God is able to be the fullest embodiment and expression of love because before that he's holy. God is able to be merciful and just, extending grace to sinners like you and I before we put our faith in Jesus because before he's anything, he's holy, he's set apart. Have you ever met someone that maybe was like kind of famous? Anybody ever met someone who's like kind of famous? Who'd you meet? Who? Fergie? Fergalicious? Are you kidding me right now? I don't even want to share my story, she met Fergie. Who'd you meet? Yeah. Who said Elton John? You're not who I called on, but that's better than Fergie, that's awesome. Okay, who did you meet? JoJo. Who? JoJo Siwa. JoJo Siwa, never heard of her. Uh, yeah, in the back, white shirt. Real loud for me. Oh, Elon Musk. Okay, Elon. All right, okay, let's do one more because this is really interesting. Uh, let's go, yeah, with your hood on. Dr. Phil. Okay, yeah, all right. Talk about, holy, wait, with, the, with your hood on, who'd you meet? Yeah. You met Captain, you went to Disneyland. You didn't meet Captain America. It's not the same thing. All right. Okay. Here's the point. I, uh, I had an encounter. I had an encounter where I met someone and kind of like Moses, as he's interacting with the burning bush, the Bible tells us he hid his face. Right, he hid his face. He couldn't, he couldn't stand to be around God who was so holy and so full of beauty and so full of light that he had to hide his face from the glory of God because God was so holy. I had a moment like that except instead of being like this I looked really stupid. So a few years ago a friend of mine invited me to a Lakers game. I love the Los Angeles Lakers so much. Now hold on. Let me be really clear, what I didn't do was ask for any of your opinions about my favorite basketball team. So I'm at, I'm at a Lakers game and my friend who invited me, they were like company tickets and they were awesome. I was like nine rows back from the players bench, I can like see the sweat coming off of their heads and I'm like a big guy, I'm like six foot five and so it's rare for me to be like, whoa, look how tall that guy is. And so throughout the game, I'm like yelling at the players and I'm like, let's go LeBron. And and at one point LeBron turns and he kind of waves and he like blows a kiss. And I was like, okay, I'm taking, but all right. And there's a lady sitting next to me. There's a woman sitting next to me and she was like just as into yelling at LeBron and and, like, all right, let's go. And like she was so into it. And the whole time I'm like, I just made a friend. This lady is so into the Lakers. I'm into the Lakers. This is awesome. We're like high-fiving. We're doing knuckles when LeBron's dunking. They're playing the Warriors who are just absolute trash. You know what I mean? And so, Listen, this is the problem today. I didn't ask for any of your opinions. I don't care what you think. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. So at the end of the game, you know, I get up to leave because I'm not a basketball player. I have to go up the stairs. But my new friend, I never caught her name, she goes down the stairs and she goes right down to the player's bench and she gives LeBron a hug and a kiss. And I was like, I'm not even on that level with LeBron. Like, what is going on here? And then I find out that I, for the entire game, was sitting next to Savannah James, LeBron James' wife. Now, here's why that's important. It's important for a few reasons. One, had I known that, I wouldn't have looked like a complete idiot the entire game, okay, number one. Number two, had I known that, I might have been like, hey, I really admire the way your husband plays basketball or something, anything other than screaming the entire game like an absolute crazy person. Moses is having a moment with someone who, I'll, we might call LeBron James the king, but he ain't the king of kings. You know what I'm saying? Like we might call LeBron James the goat, but he's not the one who breathes stars and speaks life into existence. Moses, Moses, pay attention. Moses is having an encounter with the Holy One. Moses is having an encounter with the God of the universe. Moses is having an encounter with the maker, creator, and author of life as we know it. And the best he can do when he comes face to face with the holiness of God is to take off his sandals and hide his face. How are you like with God? When you think of God, like tonight, as you're walking back to your cabin and you look up at the stars, or tomorrow when you're learning about plants and animals and all these amazing things, where does your mind go when you think about God? This is an important question because what you think about God says a lot about yourself. And I'm here to tell you that the single most important thing, the first thing we have to remember about God, is that He is holy and set apart. There's another passage, don't turn here, I'll read this to you, but there's another passage that deals with the holiness of God, and as I close up our time together, I want to invite you to listen to these words because they are powerful and they are important. This comes out of Isaiah chapter six, verse one. It says this in Isaiah chapter six, verse verse one, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Do you guys know what the train of a robe is? What's the train of a robe? It's like the tail. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, it's like if you ever see a movie where like a bride gets married and like everyone has to like fix her dress, right? Or like there's, there's like a princess. I don't know. I don't watch movies mostly with brides or princesses, but you get the point, right? So what this tells us is that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. Who sits on thrones? King. Kings sit on thrones. And it says, "In the train of his robe filled the temple. Who would have a robe so big and so beautiful that just the mere train of it would fill the temple? Not just a God, we're talking about a big God seated on a big throne. And Isaiah comes face to face with him. In fact, he goes on to say this, above him were seraphim each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. So Isaiah not only sees the king of kings and lord of lords seated on the throne with his robe filling the temple, but he sees these, he sees these creatures with six wings full of eyes. And as these creatures fly around the throne of God, it says with two, they cover their feet, with two, they cover their face, and with two, they fly. And as these creatures fly around the presence of God, they sing a song, and the song that they sing goes like this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah is sitting there going, what on earth is happening? I don't know what you're saying. It says in verse four that at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah is in this, is in this vision. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, one of the most famous prophets. He was a major prophet. They call him a major prophet because he had a, a lot to say. Minor prophets had a little to say, major prophets had a lot to say. And as, he is, and as he is in this throne room, face to face with the Holy One, and he sees these creatures, they're singing their song, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What are the first words that come out of his mouth? What's like the first thing that Isaiah thinks to say when he's in the presence of greatness? when he's in the presence of the Holy One, when he's in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the the maker of the heavens and earth, he says this, "'Woe to me,' I cried, "'for I am ruined, "'for I am a man of unclean lips, "'and I live among a people of unclean lips, "'and my eyes have seen the King, "'the Lord Almighty.'" What I want you to walk away from chapel tonight understanding is that this God that Moses sees through the burning bush, that this God who Isaiah sees in the temple, that this God who will ultimately lead the Israelites out of Egypt, redeeming them and freeing them from the bondage of their slavery, is the same God that you and I get to learn about and focus in on this week. The God that you're going to talk about the God that you're gonna head to your cabin and answer questions around, the God that we're gonna pray to, the God that in the morning we're gonna sing songs to, the God that you're gonna get to see the fullness of his creation on display is the same God that when Moses and Isaiah come face to face with him, all they can do is hide their face and say, holy, holy, holy. In order for us to unpack the greatness and the character of who God is, it has to first start with us understanding that there is no one and nothing like him. He alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves the praise. And he alone deserves our full focus this week. In the same way Moses' life was changed, on top of a mountain, as he came face to face with the living God, my hope and my prayer for all of us here this week is that we could have a similar experience through what we learn about Him, through what we understand and unpack in His Word, through what we see Him doing on the cross to save us from our own bondage and and separation and slavery that sin has caused. That as you look all around you this week, you would come face to face with the Holy One, who loves you and who gave Himself for you. Let me pray. God, tonight we, were a little squirrely. We're a little squirrely tonight, and that's okay. We're excited to be here. We're excited to learn all the things that you have in store for us. We're excited to not be on a bus, and we're excited to be at camp with our friends. But God, I pray for us this week, for these students, that you would give them the ability to focus when it matters, that you would give them the ability to focus in on times where it's It's time to focus, and you allow them to have so much fun when it's time to have fun. I pray, God, that your holiness would change the way we think about you. That you're not just a hobby. You're not just something on our resume. God, we don't love Fortnite and Facebook and TikTok and the Golden State Warriors and you. God, we love you unlike anything else. We love you more than anything else. And we love you because we know you're the Holy One who's set apart, that there's no one like you. And amidst your holiness, you're relational. And amidst your holiness, you love us. So God, would you help us to come face to face like Moses did with that burning bush with you this week and when our lives look different because of it. We love you. Thanks for letting us be here. It's in your name we pray. Amen.